Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. Today is Sunday, February 10th, 2019. The share ID numbers for Friday, February 8th are the following. For the 7 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 12,522. That's 12522. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 12,524. That's 12524. This morning, A Vision for You presents, Does the Road Narrow? The 12 steps are introduced in Chapter 5 of the Big Book with these words. Rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. Our path, our road, is the 12 steps. They are the heart of recovery. The freedom and happiness as the result of a spiritual awakening are based on these 12 simple steps. However, the big book does warn us we are not cured. What we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. There's a well-known phrase about recovery found in the big book. It works if you work it. What that means is that achieving and maintaining stable, long-term abstinence and recovery depends on how the compulsive overeater works at it. Recovery isn't something any recovered compulsive overeater can ever, ever take for granted. Long-term abstinence and recovery involves continuous adjustment, application, implementation, growth, and learning in order to trudge this road of happy destiny. Joining us to address the question, does the road narrow, is Craig F., a recovered compulsive overeater from Oklahoma. Craig is dedicated to trudging this road of happy destiny and to carrying this message of recovery. Welcome to the line, Craig F. Thank you, Leah. Thank you for that introduction, uh, and good morning. And I, uh, I want to start out by talking about, uh, of course, this is Craig F. Recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I want to start out by, by talking about why I wanted to do this talk. Um, I, I want to be sure to, to say right away that I don't have long-term abstinence. And so it, it might be kind of a funny thing, you know, somebody that doesn't have it uh, going to tell you how to get it. But they see, that's not my purpose here. Um, you know, my, my purpose here is to, you know, when I first came in and I said, how do I get a sponsor? Somebody said, uh, you find somebody that has what you want and you ask them to show you how they got it. And, and I thought, well, that was great. So uh, what I've done here today is, uh, you know, what I want. Uh, I have two and a half years. What I want is to extend this. Um, you know, I, I want I want to I want to avoid the pitfalls. And so I um, I was I assigned myself this project of going around and asking uh, a group bunch of people whose recovery I respected who have long term abstinence. How did you get it? You know, how do you maintain it? What, what's going on? You know, we go to the we, I went to the birthday party, and you, and you look at the countdowns they do at, at at the conventions like the birthday party. And, you know, one year, two years, three years, you know, most of the room's standing. 
when they get up to 30 years, you know, it, it, the, the, if the road hadn't narrowed, the number of people standing has sure narrowed, you know. And, uh, and you ask yourself, is that just uh, attrition? Is that just people dying off? Or, or what, you know, what is the difference between those people and the ones that didn't make it, uh, to, to quote uh, uh, one of my people I interviewed, you know, they come in by the hundreds and they go out by the 99, you know? And, and I want to be one of that one that sticks. And, and so how do I do that? How, how, how can I be one of the ones that stick? And, you know, what's, if there's a trick, uh, I want the trick. If there's a secret, I want to know the secret. And, uh, of course, I don't think there was a trick or a secret. Um, you know, I, I, I came into the, this program uh, way too many years ago, 1990. And uh, I uh, I got some physical recovery right away. I I came in at 410. I got down to 260, and uh, I in the first year, and uh, I'm 6'4", and 260 is not too bad of a weight for me. I thought I could lose another uh, 20 or so, but I had people telling me don't get too crazy about that. So, you know, I I physically the recovery came and. I got some emotional recovery. I, you know, I certainly learned a lot of things. But uh, I was getting ready to take my two-year chip, and I realized that the only way I was calling myself abstinent was to change the definition of my abstinence. <laughs> and, and, that, and that the truth was that I probably wasn't, well, not probably. See, that's one of those bargaining words. The truth was I wasn't abstinent. And so I didn't pick up the two-year chip, and I decided I'd start over and I couldn't get started again. And, you know, I, I went through it for a lot of years in this program, uh, getting six months uh, and losing it, getting a month and losing it, getting a day and losing it. And, you know, at one point, uh, with the help of, of a sister program, I got a year and a half and lost it, and, and I never could extend it. And And then I come to a, a great crisis in my life. I'm in the hospital. Uh, the doctor tells me I have a 25% chance of dying in the next three weeks due to the uh, lymphedema, the infection in my lymphedema in my legs. And I realized there that, that um, you know, my weight was literally killing me. I wouldn't get kicked to death by rabbits. I was uh, dying a hard death. And the doctor also told me that if I survived those three weeks and that I still could get that infection back. And, and if I did, that meant they were going to have, probably have to take my legs off at the knees. And, uh, you know, you talk about the gift of desperation. Uh, I had the gift of desperation laying in that hospital bed. And, and, and I realized that, that my condition was due to the fact that I'd never fully given myself to this program. I would bargained with it. I would played with it. I would toyed with it. I tried half measures. Uh, I had not fully given myself to this program. And a friend of mine, uh, 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 Kelly, is on the line now, was there, and she uh, gave me the numbers to this vision line. And uh, I called uh, in the next morning, and I listened, and I got a sponsor, uh, and I got a great sponsor, a great man, and 
he uh, he helped me work the steps, and I had a spiritual experience. And there is a feeling in that spiritual experience. There's a feeling in that relief and that I got in doing those steps that this will last forever. You know, it, how could you give this up? It it is so good. It feels so good. It is so inspiring. So uh, or so much relief in, in, in that initial recovery that you think this this is just going to last forever. I remember um, when I first came into program 28 years ago or whatever that is now, um, they gave us the, these questions called the Westminster questions, and that's how they were working the first three steps at the time. There were 32 questions, and you answered one a day. And, and uh, one of the questions early on in that was to talk about the difference between discipline and inspiration. And, and that question hit me hard because I had done everything in my life based on whether I felt like doing it or not. And in other words, by inspiration. I, I, I you know, if, if I was, if I wanted to work out more, I put up a picture of what I, Look like when I worked out, you know, I, I, I uh, read magazines about people that worked out and, you know, looked at, uh, you know, fitness magazines and I, and uh, I tried to stay inspired to work out. But the idea that, uh, that I would do something based on that discipline, based on, uh, on, uh, growing habits, um, was, foreign to me and and the question bothered me a lot and you know there because I, I felt like they were telling me I needed to develop discipline and and uh, you know that just it just seemed contrary to my nature and uh, you know th today I know that I am capable of developing discipline that uh, in, in recovery but I developed discipline by doing things deliberately day in and day out, that I say, okay, I'm going to develop the discipline of prayer, so I'm going to deliberately pray at these times of the day, and I'm going to set an alarm, I'm going to do it deliberately. So, um, you know, uh, that uh, that plays in. So anyway, um, I, I've told my story uh, to an extent that brings me to recovery. You know, two and a half years in, I, I start to look around and I say, you know, people, I see people fall away. You know, I saw uh, a, a fellow of ours here on the line uh, uh, lose, lose her abstinence because of what? I, I, I wanted to know what, what could trip somebody that was, seemed to be doing so well. What, what could that be? Where's that, where's that trip hazard? You know, I don't want to fall in that hole. What, what happens? Um, and uh, how do I make sure I maintain the spiritual way of life? Um, uh, so anyway, I, when I started calling people and asking them to share with me about their long-term abstinence, I expected to hear things like, oh, you got to sponsor, you got to live in 10, 11, and 12, you got to develop good meeting habits. And, and those are all good ideas, but it, it seemed a little bit surfacy to me, a little bit hollow. I, I still was looking for something more. And so here's what I heard instead, and I'm going to, the rest of the talk is going to be the bullet points of some of the things I heard. Now, I'm going to tell you, folks, 
if you wanna if you want uh, a uh, a lesson in recovery, start asking people how they how they maintain long term abstinence. I heard so many great things, so many great stories that I could not begin to boil them down to to one minute a one hour talk. It, it just simply would be impossible uh, beyond my capabilities and and uh, so i I've, I've tried to get some of the better ideas and some of the ones that resonated with me into this into this time period so uh, anyway the first one is in recovery life gets bigger um, what that means is that um, that as we recover you know we get start to get our life back uh, habits or uh, hobbies, I mean, uh, that we might have given up, things that we might have uh, that we might have wanted to do become available. Relationships come back. Uh, maybe we've not been in relationships because of the disease. Um, you know, uh, life starts to blossom, and 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 life gets bigger. And 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 that is as opposed to whether the road narrows. You know, life life gets bigger. Because there's still only 168 hours in a week, you know. Uh, you can check my math on that. But uh, you know, and sometimes you sit down and and if you take those 168 hours and break them down, you know, you work 40 hours a week, commute five, uh, uh, you know, you maybe you spend two hours uh, uh, doing what? I don't know. can't read my own writing. Uh, you know, 56 hours in, uh, in sleep and 21 hours preparing and eating meals. You know, all those, that's 124 hours right there. And, uh, you know, if you, oh, you have two, two hours in church. That was the two hours in church. 124 hours there, which leaves you with 44 hours. And how are you going to spend those other 44 hours, you know? Uh, you know, in the disease, I spent them uh, uh, a lot of times plotting my next, uh, binge, you know, obtaining my next binge, worrying about my last binge, all those things. But now you get those hours back, you know, in, in a way you get those hours back. So, um, you know, the, what do you do with those hours? And, and, but if, if life becomes so big that those 44 hours are not, uh, you know, are take up so much time that I'm not, sponsoring I'm not going to meetings I'm not studying uh, you know I'm not doing my 10th and 11th step uh, then pretty soon we start to drift away and I think that that's the 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 first um, the first and maybe one of the most important things I hear is that uh, you know we don't 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 let life get so big that it don't uh, one of our fellows said don't let the gifts of the program rob you of the gifts of the program you know i i, I love that don't let the gifts our, our 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 ego grows if we're not vigilant that's the that's the next one in other words um i start to uh to take credit for uh the uh fact that i've lost weight or the fact that i'm out of the food or the fact that life's gotten better you know um my my ego starts to regrow itself you know the steps that we call the steps a lot of times an ego reducing uh, process and 
So w once we're through with the steps and we get that ego to the right size uh, and we start living in, in recovery and this life starts getting better, life starts getting bigger, it would be pretty easy to think I did that, you know. Uh, I, I built that. And, uh, and and you didn't build that, to quote uh, uh, somebody that used to be president. You didn't build that, uh, you know. Uh, you didn't build it all. You may have surrendered to it, but you didn't build it. Um, you know, And but yet we, we can start taking credit for that. And, uh, you know, uh, forget that we're just one among many. You know, we're just a, another bozo on the bus. And uh, that, uh, you know, we just simply have the gift of recovery. We have the gift of, of, of a spiritual way of life. Uh, I didn't invent it. Uh, I, I just have it handed to me. The next thing is we can forget the desperation. Um, you know, it, it's, it's easy to sit here sometimes. I, I'm talking to a, to, to a fellow that's trying to start and they can't put the food down and, and get frustrated and say, just put the friggin' food down for 48. You know, I find myself in that attitude. And what that is, is I, I forgot for a moment how hard it was for me to put the food down, you know, how powerless I am over this disease. And, and, uh, you know, uh, that's the reality of life today. Uh, you know, that, that I am still as powerless as I was when I walked in the door. You know, I had a discussion with a fellow uh, from meeting from the meeting one time about the wording of the first step. The first step says we admitted we were powerless over food and our lives had become unmanageable. And he took it that that we're, we're powerless means that we were once powerless, but that now we're not. And I, and I even checked this with somebody in the program that has a PhD in, in, in English literature, just to make sure that I wasn't, <laughs> Uh, we were powerless doesn't necess doesn't uh, block the uh, the concept that we still are powerless. We were powerless. We are powerless. And and I, I don't know why they chose to say that exactly the way they did, uh, you know. But I was powerless. I certainly am out of the allergy, and I certainly have um, freedom from food obsession that's promised in steps ten and eleven. I, you know, I, I, I've ceased fighting the food. Uh, that's true. But I, I have to be careful not to mistake that freedom from food obsession as, believe, as thinking that somehow I've been cured of the allergy or that somehow I have been relieved permanently of the obsession. You know, what I have is a temporary reprieve. I have a daily reprieve based solely on the maintenance of my spiritual condition. You know, that's one of my three great misquoted lines from the big book is uh, that, you know, we have a daily reprieve not based on our spiritual condition. We have a daily reprieve based on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. And, the, and I maintain my spiritual condition, the maintenance steps, 10, 11, and 12. So... If I forget, though, that I'm powerless, if I forget my desperation, 
then then I'm going to start that the ego's growing again. You see, like I talked about in the last point, uh, I, I have a I have the risk of picking the feedback up, and and that's something that can happen to me along the path. The next thing is that uh, once I'm out of the desperation, that changes may be harder to to do. You know, we hear people say, "I've never given up anything that didn't have claw marks on it." You know, and uh, and, and certainly I understand that. Uh, I, I understand that quite well. You know, it certainly I had to be I had to be in desperation to give up the food. I had to be in desperation to give up to the program. But now we come along and and, and I suddenly find myself uh, uh, here here in the last couple of weeks, I found myself um, inordinately excited about grapes. <laughs> you know? Now, a lot of you on the line will laugh because you too have had to give up the, some of the fruits that have a higher sugar content. But as my body uh, has changed and recovered, I become more sensitive to things that used to be okay. It's another way maybe the narrow, the road narrows. So I, I found myself inordinately attra attracted to hard, to like cheddar cheese. Uh, you know, I was plotting ways to include the cheese in my, in my food, you know, in my meal plan. I was plot, plotting ways to put grapes on my salad. You know, I mean, it, it, in my mind, and I saw that, and I talked to my sponsor, and of course, we have to give those, I had to give those things up, because they become too important. And, uh, you know, uh, do I have to have claw marks on those to give them up? You know, if I'm living in this spiritual way of life, if if this program and this recovery is the most important thing in my life today, if this connection with God that the program has afforded me is the most important thing in my life today, then, uh, you know, making the changes to maintain and improve that, um, I, in, in, a, in my logical mind, that should become easy. <clears throat> but there's still a part of my mind that that I mean, still a part of my my mind is not cured. You know, I am not. Uh, I've not reached, and, and never will reach, some form of of uh, spiritual perfection where those changes come easily. But they come easier than they used to come, and so uh, that's one of the things that people told me though was out that once you're out of the desperation. You still have to make changes in your life. You'll find that maybe as you age, your food plan has to change, or that as you recover, your food plan has to change as you lose weight, as you get in better condition, uh, your exercise or your food plan has to change. Are you willing to make those changes? You know, uh, maybe uh, uh, the spiritual regimen that you have uh, starts to become dull. Are you willing? Or you have you remained willing to make changes, and so that that was a, a point that a lot of people brought to me. The next one is a tough one, uh, and but I heard this a lot of times too, and that is that my honesty needs to grow. Um, you know, I, um, 
we this is this is kind of a large thing, you know, um, kind of a large thing. Uh, I'm going to quote off of page 13 in Bill's story. He said, uh, "My friend promised that when these things, the steps, were done, uh, I oh I would enter upon a new relationship with my Creator, and, and that." Here, I've lost my place. Oh, uh, he promised me that, I, that my creator and that I would have the elements of a way of living which answered all my problems. Belief in the power of God plus enough willingness, honesty, and humility to establish and maintain, establish and maintain the new order of things were the essential requirements. You know, he, he, he said an awful lot in, in a mouthful right there. The belief in the power of God, in other words, I'm not powerful, God is, enough willingness, honesty, and humility to establish and to maintain, not just to get started, but to maintain this new order of things were the essential requirement. Simple but not easy, a price had to be paid. It meant destruction of self-centeredness. I must turn in all things to the Father of light who presides presides over us all. Um, So... Um, honesty, uh, and you know what? What do I need to become honest about? You know, this is one place where a lot of people talked about the road narrowing. You know, when they came in, they were had to be honest about their food, and they may be honest about certain grosser uh, emotional issues and things like that. But as they stayed in recovery for a period of time, uh, as their recovery grew, then. Um, other things came up. They, they began to see other areas of their life that uh, uh, were not were no longer acceptable. You know that God consciousness grew, and as the God consciousness grew, the things that they knew were not pleasing to this God that they had come to believe in uh, started to to get illuminated. And uh, you know, and, and then we're back to that willingness to change. You know, if uh, if we have uh, something going on in our life that uh, that we need to give give up, you know, are we are we gonna go out because of it? You know, uh, uh, if I'm uh, if I'm unwilling to give up uh, uh, a, a relationship or a uh, um, you know a habit, uh, you know, if I cling to it too hard, uh, and if it's that that clinging separates me from God. Uh, you know that I, I, I could see that dra- dragging me out the door, and uh, you know, the, and so uh, you know, if I cling to it too hard and it has to go out the door, either I'm going to go out the door with it, you know, or I'm going to have to let go of it and, and let and and let it go out the door. Um, and so I have to look for and ask myself: Are there other things I get an effect from? You know, am I getting an effect from gambling? Am I getting an effect from watching TV? Am I getting a uh, an effect from uh, shopping, uh, relationship, uh, uh, inappropriate relationship? Am I getting an effect from uh, doing something that I shouldn't be doing or that I'm overdoing? And therefore, I, I need to surrender, you know? And, and because if I'm getting the effect, you know, we say if you're getting the effect from the food, 
uh, it's hard to get the effect from the steps. Well, if I'm getting an effect from gambling, for instance, it's hard to get the effect of the steps. You know, those 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 things start to to get in the way, and it, and it starts to corrode that connection between me and God. I uh, I, I want to share an example, and I. I, I don't believe this is outside literature. It's it's marginal it, it, because it was a foundational text that Bill used for the uh, for writing the big book, and it, it's from it's a little story from the Sermon on the Mount by Emmett Fox. But he talks about um, uh, the study. He, he's talking about a, a different book, but the study of the big book is not unlike the search for diamonds in South Africa. The first people found a few diamonds in the yellow clay, and they were delighted with their good fortune, even while they supposed that this was the full extent of their find. Then upon digging deeper, they came upon the blue clay, and to their amazement they found as many precious stones in a day as they previously found in a year, and what had formerly seemed like wealth faded into insignificance besides the new riches. So, you know, in, in, in our exploration of this recovery, you know, are we rest? Do we rest satisfied uh, with the diamonds that we found in the yellow clay? You know, or a few spiritual discoveries, or are we ready to press on to the richer clay underneath? You know, uh, and and that that pressing on, not being satisfied with the uh, with the diamonds that are in the the few diamonds that are in the first clay. You know, the 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 weight loss, the uh, uh, recovery of, of some semblance of a normal life. If we're satisfied with that and we don't press on to the deeper clay below, you know, um, then uh, we're missing out on, on the greatest riches of life. So, um, all right. Um, one of the next ones that I really liked that I got was, are, are we taking our skill set from program out into life, or are we just bringing our life's problems to program? And, and, I, and I like that. I, I, I really appreciated the, uh, somebody telling me that, one of the fellows that I talked to. You know, um, you know we, we talked, I talked earlier about life getting bigger, you know, so life gets bigger and we start getting this life back, you know, whatever, whatever that looks like for you. And and so the question is, as we get the, our life back, do, do we take these this um, uh, this skill set that we've learned, you know, where we learn how to to inventory our side of situations, to examine our resentments and our fears and and our uh, dishonesty and 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 our you know our, our selfishness? Do we do we take those that skill set? And the ability to make amends where we've gone wrong, the, the uh, you know that that practice set of skills that's in the in steps four through nine, and then repeated again in ten and eleven. Do we take that and apply it to this new growing life, or do we go out in this new life and when we have problems in it, we just bring them back and 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 uh, and that's the mess, you know, and bring them back to 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 program and, and look for group support. Uh, so I I, uh, I can sure see that in, in myself sometimes, you know. Um, but that's where a good sponsor comes in, you know. 
and, and being honest. We're back up to honesty. We're being honest with that sponsor about what's going on in our life. It's, we're not just learning that skill set, but we're learning how to apply that skill set in our life. Uh, another one that uh, that is kind of related back to some of the other things that I talked about, another one I heard several times is that it's easy to become judgmental that as we recover, you know, as we uh, uh, get physical recovery, as we get um, some uh, emotional recovery, uh, then along comes somebody who doesn't seem to get it, you know. Uh, their their ego seems too large. I, I, I'm certainly guilty of that. There's a lot of people on this phone call that may have been guilty of that. You know, we we, uh, we have we have somebody that's the discordant voice come into our midst. You know, and uh, uh, were we judgmental? You know, did uh, did we remember for a minute that we, uh, you know, that we were. Uh, Poor, pitiful, blind, and naked ourselves. You know that we that that we are uh, there, but by the grace of God. You know, go I. Do do we remember that? Um, uh, you know, we're we're simply just also bogos on the bus. We're just sick people trying to get well. And and uh, you know that that's that's ego. You see, or you know when we go to a meeting and, and somebody is is um, not very presentable they're they're you know they're especially maybe a newer person you know uh, are we do we are we judgmental you know we'd say you know or do we remember that they're but by the grace of god go i you know and and and, and i don't know you know I, I i try hard not to do that but i can certainly see that tendency you know and, and you know, I'm not to the point yet again where, uh, you know, I, I can claim to be trim and fit, but I, I can remember getting to that point in that first two years, you know, and thinking, why aren't, you know, why isn't everybody, you know, this way? You know, what it, 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 it seems so easy to get there, you know. Well, it hadn't been easy since. And so, you know, uh, am, am I welcoming and loving to everybody, regardless of their uh, obvious insanity, and regardless of their of their uh, you know of their physical can, and emotional and spiritual condition, you know what is my emotional and spiritual condition? Am I welcoming and welcome, welcoming and loving to everybody in and out of program? And so, uh, you know, I, I remember I, I remember. We we have to remember in steps six and seven that we humbly ask God to remove our shortcomings. You know, it wasn't our job, and and you know God God does that job in His own time with everybody. You know, because God has a use sometimes for those shortcomings. You know, whatever they are, whatever our character defect is, sometimes we think, okay, now I'm ready, God, clean me up. You know, zap me. You know, I'm I'm willing that that be gone. You know, my sloth or my procrastination or my, you know, whatever it is, I'm willing that that be gone. So take it away. And God says, wait a minute, I've got a use for that. You have a lesson to learn. I have a use for it in somebody's life around you. You know, um, maybe 
you, we're just going to leave that with you to keep you humble, you know? So um, here we are uh, being reminded in, in a way that, uh, you know, it's not about uh, the force of my will the, to take away my character defects, you know, that I, I humbly, I humbly asked God to remove my shortcomings. And, and, and I go on and do the work and I go on and, and stay the course, but that's up to God. So, um, you know, what right do I, you know, uh, most wretched of men, what right do I have to be judgmental of anybody? But yet I can be there. So here's a big one. Um, need The need to do personal work. Too much 12, not enough 10 and 11. You know, um, I, I, I can see this at work in my life sometimes, you know. Uh, you know, I, I, I love that line in working with others where it says nothing so much will ensure our continued recovery, uh, you know, uh, as uh, working with newcomers. I'm not quoting that directly, but uh, I will in a minute. It says, practical experience shows that nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking as intensive work with other alcoholics that works when all other activities fail. Great. I want something that works when other activities fail. And and so I grab onto that and, uh, you know, I go back to 14 and 15. It says, for an if an alcoholic failed to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others, he could not survive the certain trials and low spots ahead. So I read that line and my mind immediately focuses on, you know, because I'm a human doing some days. I'm not a human being. I'm a human doing. And so uh, it, it, it says that self-sacrifice for others. Well, I interpret that as meaning, uh, you know, doing, being a sponsor, working with others, working with newcomers. That's self-sacrifice for others, right? So, but see, the whole line says if an alcoholic failed to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life, through work and self-sacrifice for others, you know, am I forgetting about the fact that I that I need to enlarge my own spiritual life? You know, um, and you know, one of the best things that I I sponsor I sponsor a lot of guys, and uh, you know, I'm back up to about ten or eleven, and 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 that I don't say that for any other reason than to say that sometimes I'm a, I'm a little a little too far out there with that. Um, it takes away, it can take away from my time for doing my own work. And I think that's what this fellow was cautioning me about that. Um, I, I'm, if you do too much 12 and, and you don't take, take time to do your own 10 and 11, you know, if, if I'm talking to sponsees so late that I get tired and I don't do my 11th step review in the evening, or if I don't have time because I'm taking calls in the morning to do my morning meditation, then I need to re-examine my priorities. <clears throat> and, uh, um, you know, I have to have a balance. A friend of mine used to say that they knew what balance was because they saw it every time the pendulum swung past the bottom, you know, because they were either going too far one way or too far the other, and the only time they saw balance is when they swung by it. You know, and so uh, am I 
I, I, I thought that was hilarious. So anyway, am I balancing myself? Am I <clears throat> making sure that I'm doing the self-care, the, uh, uh, you know, getting getting rid of the buildup of that uh, sludge, the program sludge, somebody called it, that, that, that uh, can happen to us. It's the life sludge, the recovery sludge. And, uh, you know, uh, that needs to be cleaned out, you know, just like your engine. You know, you can change the oil and change the oil, but uh, sometimes you have to flush the engine, you know. Uh, sometimes there's a buildup of sludge even when you're changing the oil and you have to you have to clean it up and uh, in order for the car to run right especially an older vehicle Um, so too much 10 or too much 12 not enough 10 and 11 Uh, there's some things I want to quote here Um, page uh, 27, I think it is. Uh, our, our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and the people around us. You know, uh, it, it's awful easy to think sometimes that my real purpose here is to lose weight. You know, my real purpose is to uh, get to be uh, some sort of a, a guru. You know, my real purpose in life is to you know, whatever. But it, the book reminds us that our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be a maximum service to God and to the people around us. You know, so, um, I, I, you know, I think that that's another thing. that It goes back to that life becoming too large or, you know, we've reached some sort of goal and so we lose interest in the program that, that if, if my real purpose is to fit myself to be a maximum service to God, then then there is no accomplishment. You know, there is no um, there is no uh, destination involved. Uh, you know, maybe you've gotten your physical recovery. Maybe you you know you you've become really adept at working these steps. You've become uh, uh, a better speaker. Uh, I wish that would come for me, and because I hesitate too much. But if if my real purpose in life is to be is to fit myself to be a maximum service to God and the people around me, then you know this journey will certainly never end. You know, uh, I, I have to keep growing in in in, in uh, effectiveness, and that that leads me to the next quote. I'm lost my little markers here, but um, um, in uh, um, back in in step uh, 10, um, it talks about um, how we our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. This is not an overnight matter. That's on page 84 in the big book. Uh, we've entered into the world of the spirit, but our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness, not an overnight matter. And and I, and I would say that that's kind of tongue-in-cheek almost. It's not only not an overnight matter. Uh, he goes on to say it should continue for a lifetime. So, you know, if I'm, 
seeking to grow in, in uh, effectiveness, if I'm seeking to grow in understanding and effectiveness, and it's to continue for a lifetime, as long as I'm doing that, then I'm less likely, I think, to walk away. I'm less likely to lose my focus. You know, it doesn't say our next function is to lose weight or, you know, to make the red go away in my nose because I drank too much. You know, uh, we we used to joke at uh, AA meetings that you could tell a newcomer by standing out in the parking lot and seeing what kind of car they came in. You know, the the newcomers tend to show up in beaters and uh, the guys that have been around a while tend to get nicer cars. And then we were standing out there one day before a meeting and a woman pulled up in a chauffeur uh, Rolls Royce. She was a newcomer, trust fund baby. <laughs> and so that kind of blew that theory. But, um, you know, our, our real, our, our real purpose isn't to drive a better car. You know, uh, it, it's to grow in, 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 uh, it's to grow in understanding and effectiveness and that, that effectiveness is the effectiveness of helping other people. So uh, I, I have to carry that on for a lifetime. Um, another one that I, I want to hit is another um, very misused phrases in the book, back in how it works. Um, you know, uh, this line gets used as an excuse for just about all kinds of mischief. You know, and 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 it gets misquoted usually when it gets misused, and that is that uh, uh, on page sixty it says we're not saints. The point is we're willing to grow along spiritual lines. The principles we set down are guides to spiritual progress. Our guides to progress. We claim, and here's where it gets misquoted. We claim spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. First of all, it's often quoted as we claim progress, not perfection, and that's not what it says. It says we claim spiritual progress, not spiritual perfection, and that's used as an excuse for not having a defined food plan. But um, this says we claim spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. And, you know, the question has to become, you know, okay, if I'm going to claim progress, not perfection, Am I making progress, you know? And that's not just for the newcomer or the person in the first two years or the first three years or the first five years. Am I making progress? Or am I fighting the same problems that I was fighting uh, 10 years ago? Am I, uh, am I still uh, in the same shape I was in, you know? Uh, so am I making, am I making progress? I'm not claiming perfection, uh, but am I making progress? If I'm going to claim spiritual progress, I have to make spiritual progress. I, I used to go to this AA meeting, and uh, the reason when I had about a year or two, and uh, it was on a Sunday morning about this time, they're probably meeting. And the, at the time, the program had a lot of people, a lot of guys in it that had uh, 25 to 35 years of sobriety, and I had about a year, and, and I was... Uh, I was going because I really wanted the same thing I'm talking about this morning. I really wanted to know what it was like, what, how they did that. You know, what's life look like after you've been 30 years sober, you know? And I sat there and watched these guys, and uh, 
One of them would be talking about some problem he had, and another one would say, what step are you on with that? And I thought, are you kidding me? 30 years and you're not through working those steps yet? <laughs> you know? And, and, and the next one would go, oh, I guess I'm on the, on the first step, or I guess I'm on the third step with that. And, and then, you know, I, I it suddenly realized that this, this process, this, this uncovering the diamonds and the deeper clay has to go on for a lifetime. That what 30 years of sobriety looked like was that they had friends around them that had recovery that they could share with that would, that could help them dig down to that next level that could help them continue to make progress. And, and so that's what I want for me. You know, I want to gather that, that group of people around me that have, that have a heart for the program. I have a heart for progress and, and become transparent enough and honest enough with those folks that I can, that I, that they can challenge me, that they can say to me, what step are you on with that? You know, how deep are you willing to go with that? You know, um, on page, another big book line that I want to intersperse in here, just about done, is uh, on page uh, 87. Um, are we growing with, in God consciousness? Um, you know, uh, do we find our thinking as time passes will be more and more a plane on the plane of inspiration? You know, uh, that that's a, a promise. Uh, in the 11th step, you know, that our thinking will be more and more of a plane of inspiration that will grow in God consciousness. And, and you know, uh, or, you know, have I become spiritually lazy so that uh, I'm satisfied with what I have? And uh, um, do I come to rely on that? Um, on page 88, it says we alcoholics are an undis are undisciplined. So let God discipline us in this simple way we just outlined. And what they just outlined is steps ten and eleven. So this is not all. They act, there's action or more action. Faith without works is dead. Uh, you know, now that I have this God consciousness, now that I have this faith, now that I've seen God at work in my life, He's, he's taken this food obsession away that I thought would never leave, that I thought I'd have to wrestle with for my whole life, you know, um, and, and, and I haven't seen that God at work in my life and, and, and gained faith and grown in faith in that, you know, do I, do I step forward and do the implied works, you know, uh, faith without works is dead. That apparently was something that, uh, uh, Dr. Bob's wife used to remind him of all the time. Faith without works is dead. So um, then I want to close with this one. Um, and that is, back in a vision for you, um, it, it says, we shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. Now, I, I, what I want to point out there is it's the road of happy destiny. It's not the road to happy destiny. The happy destiny is the uh, it, is the adventure uh, of this program. Uh, 
we are living in the happy destiny. You know, uh, we have everything we need in the present moment. You know, God has given us everything we need to be happy in the present moment, and including this road to trudge. And this, this road of recovery is in itself, if we allow it to be, such a wonderful place to be, so much, so much greater than living in the disease, so much more infinitely pleasurable than anything I ever got uh, out of uh, compulsive eating and out of the insanity in my life, that this is the road of happy destiny. And with that, I'm going to pass and uh, be open for questions. Thank you for listening to my ramblings, my speechifying. Thank you so much, Craig, for this very captivating and crucial presentation today. Thank you for your generous spirit. Today's share ID number, 12528, 12,528. Craig F.'s contact information will be offered at the conclusion of the recording, so please stay tuned for that. And indeed, we are going to transition to a question and answer segment. You can pose a question by pressing star 1 to unmute. Give me your name and first letter of your last name, please. Allison E. Julia. Leon B. Allison E. Gotcha, Allison. Lucy. Roz R. Roz R. Julia. Yes, Julie F., gotcha. Let me tell you who I have thus far. I have Allison E., Julie F., Leon B., Devorah S., Lucy E., is that correct? Don't know. Yes. Okay, Roz R., who else? First grouping. Okay, let's start with this group. Everybody mute, please, except for Allison E. Go right ahead. Hi, good morning. This is Allison E., compulsive overeater from New York. Craig, thank you so much. <clears throat> I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about your daily maintenance of your spiritual. Um, yeah, I just lost my train of thought. Um, if you could talk about, like, do you have a morning routine that you do to stay spiritually fit? Um, that would be helpful. Thank you. Wonderful question. Thank you. I had to go up a little coffee down. Allison, uh, uh, you know, in uh, this in, in the book in, in Into Action, it lays out a daily routine. It's pretty pretty direct and, and simple. You know, um, step step tens are things that we do as things come up. You know, so if somebody cuts me off in traffic or you know uh, my uh, partner at work says something cross to me and it pisses me off. You know, I, I have uh, those conditions. I have a step ten. I can uh, not allow. Uh, I can allow it not to build up. I don't allow it to build up as the build up of normal human emotion. I I can call somebody and get rid of that. And uh, you know, I have a God Squad for that and uh, and a and a sponsor who's really good at taking those ten steps. The 11th step is the more fit or the more rigorous daily routine. And for me, that means a, a prayer when I wake up in the morning. I try to say this prayer before my feet hit the floor. That's that's what I, I ask for is to say, and, and that's to be sure to 
ask God to guide my thoughts and actions today and to uh, show me how I can be a service to him and others and, uh, you know, to remind me that that's my purpose through life, through the day. Um, I, uh, I I start out my day. I have two sponsees that call me before the, the um, morning meeting usually, uh, you know, one at, one at 5 my time, one at 5.30 my time. Uh, I, the big book says that we should do our daily meditation, our morning meditation then. And i got to tell you, I'm, I, I, I just am not wired that way. So I, I do diverge a little bit from that. And, and, uh, but anyway, I go on the meeting at 6 and I list, try to listen to both hours of the vision meeting, and which helps center me up usually. Um, you know, I may be getting ready for work during part of that. I have my alarm set every two hours through the day to stop and remind me to pray. I know there are people that do it every three, and there's people that do it at different intervals. Two seems to work for me. So, you know, it's just pray through the day, and I just stop and ask God to redirect my thoughts and actions, you know, if I've gotten off track and show me how to be of service. And so that, you know, 10, 12, 2, 4, uh, I come home from work in the evening, and because I'm single and I live alone, I have the ability to sit here and take uh, sponsee calls. Uh, you know, most evenings, uh, I, try, I, I try to space them out every half hour, but, you know, we're, we're an undisciplined lot, and uh, so they come here regularly. People who don't even remember their assigned time, and I, I say that humorously because I know a lot of them are listening, uh, but... You know, I take calls through the evening, and God seems to work out the schedule, and, uh, uh, you know, and, and that's good. And, I, you know, uh, and then I I do an 11-step review before I go to bed at night. I have it on a form and a notebook. And, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I still struggle with meditation. I do guided meditations. I've learned how to do them on my smart TV. Uh to bring up a, a you can Google AA 11th step meditations and they'll come up and there's a bunch of them and I pick one and listen to it and I try to meditate and my dogs think that if I'm being that quiet there must I must be available to them so I sometimes have to throw them out but uh, while I do that but uh, that's 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 what I do that's it thanks for the question thank you Allison E. Julie F. Star one to unmute Julie F. Julie F. Okay. Perhaps she's having... Can I having... be heard? Yes. This is Julie F. Right. Um... Craig, I am just so grateful um, that you were on this morning. It's so much of your story is so similar to mine in so many ways, and I just, it gives me hope. I'm coming back from relapse, um, and I just wanted you to share something that has inspired me so much. You shared this on a vision um, a while back. And it was the analogy of the two 
um, that that's the analogy. Do you know what I'm talking about? The the what analogy? The dead sea analogy, the two seas. The, <laughs> so, so one, the water comes in. Do you know which one I'm talking about? About the dead sea, the like. Um, oh, oh, the yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The, Will you yeah. share that, please? Sure. In 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 Israel, there are two seas: the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea, and the. Jordan River runs into the Sea of Galilee, and and it runs back out, uh, you know, and and uh, the uh, uh, that sea is alive. It has fish in it. It has uh, wildlife in it, and it's 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 a it's a better sea. And and then the water runs on down the Jordan River to the Dead Sea, but the Dead Sea doesn't have an outlet, and that's why it's dead because. It just the water runs in there, and then it only way it loses is by uh, evaporation. So all the all the poisons and all of the salts uh, build up in it, and it and there's no fish. That's why they call it the Dead Sea. And so the analogy is like us. You know, if you just sit there and all you ever do is let the program run into you, and you don't share it, you don't uh, you don't give it away. You, you'll be like the Dead Sea in a sense. And if you let the program come in and then you let the program flow out, uh, you know, to other people, then you're, you can be more, you'll be alive. So that was the analogy. Thank you so much. Thank you for the question. Thank you, Julia. Leon B., your turn. Morning. Morning, can I Leon. Hey, Craig, how you doing? Thank you so much for your share this morning. Um, I just told my wife uh, I'm getting ready to I don't have to attend morning service because I felt like I heard from my higher power. <laughs> um, I wanted to go back to your, um, you said your inordinate excitement around grapes. Um, are you, well, I'm asking for myself, and I should probably be talking with my handsome sponsor about this, but um, if you're if you're not, I'm I'm not saying that I'm not willing to to make certain change. I feel like I've narrowed down my food plan. Oh my god, it's like I'm constantly cutting things out. I'm like really like getting pissed to the point. I'm like, dang, do I gotta take this out as well? You know, it, it's uh, when you get to that point when you don't when you're not doing it, and you're negotiating. Not that I'm binging on these things. But it's like I have to I have to have them with my my lunch, and it, and it's certain fruit, you know. And are you when you get to that point, are you in relapse or are you not recovered anymore? Um, that's my that's that was one of the questions. Um, and I guess that kind of ties into the whole question I was about to ask about getting the effect from it because you did say if you're if you're using something else to to get the effect and that's blocking you from your um from your higher power that's blocking you from getting the effect from from these deaths. Is this is this more of you're leading yourself to a relapse if you don't mm-hmm. or if you don't quit negotiating with these things and just say forget it, give them up. But I feel like if I if I narrow down my food plan anymore, I'm going to be eating air. But I would like to know your thoughts on that. 
you know, um, in the in the chapter on more about alcoholism, there was a suggestion about how to find out if you're an alcoholic, and it, it says to step over to the nearest bar, and uh, and take a drink, you know, and then quit abruptly, you know, and and uh, you'll know whether you have an inordinate. So maybe, uh, you know, it, it says it might be worth a case of the jitters. Well, maybe if I'm negotiating with whether, say, uh, grapes or cheese or bread or some other item, you know, is something I need to take out of my food plan, may, maybe the thing to do is to just do that experiment. Take it out for a week and see what you, what it feels like. And, uh, you know, do see if you have a reaction. See if you have a, a, a sharpening of the mind, a clearing of the mind that comes from giving it up. Uh, and, and if the idea that you have to give that up is so repellent and abhorrent to you, I'm going to tell you, you already have your answer. You already have your answer. Good question, though. Thanks. Thank you, Leon B. Devores. Thank you. Hi, good morning, everyone. Thank you so much, Leah and Craig. It's always a pleasure to hear you. I love listening to you. So my question is, so all these discoveries that you've asked and the research that you did on how to maintain long-term abstinence, is it different than what you do, what you've heard, what you've learned in AA? Because I know you come from there as well. You spoke about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks for the question. You know, I'm going to tell you that sobriety was easy for me compared to the food. Um, you know, I, I, I know in my heart that I am an alcoholic, but I, I, you know, I gave up alcohol as a part of my first um, abstinence in OA. And I was going to AA meetings, and I'd been going to OA for a few months before I ever admitted I was an alcoholic. and, and I think that I, I caught that early enough by doing that, that uh, you know, even though I was a blackout drinker and even though I drank alcoholically since I was in high school and I was 39 by then, um, you know, I, I it wasn't the noose closest to my neck. So, um, you know, yeah, it's different than AA. Maintaining my sobriety once I'm out of the allergy of the alcohol, um, you know, I, and the other thing is, I had the food, and, and I had certain other behaviors that uh, that would uh, give me the effect. So uh, I was less likely to need the alcohol. And you know, as you get closer to the bone here, you know, the alcohol went away, the food goes away, the inappropriate uh, uh, inappropriate sexual behavior goes away. You know, acting out that way. Then what? You know, what's left? You know, uh, uh, you know, I, I have nothing to turn to for the effect. And uh, so then, uh, you know, I, I have to be a lot more rigorous with the program. My sponsor says you can't work this program while you're breaking the 12, the 10 commandments, 12 commandments I just added to, while you're breaking the 10 commandments. And, and the fact is that you probably could, but when you get down closer to the, uh, to the bone, it just it becomes more and more difficult. So that's it. Thanks for the question. Thank you, Devora S. Lucy E. 
star one nun mute. Uh, good morning, Terry. I was trying to get through. Thank you so much, Leah, for your um, for your leading of this. This is wonderful. Uh, Greg, thank you so much. Honestly, uh, spiritually, I thought that you were very soothing. I, I was listening to every word, and it was just what God needed me to hear this morning. So I want to thank you for that. Um, as far as progress, not perfection, thank you for that distinction because it's spiritual progress. I usually say that when I'm, you know, I'm beating myself up. I'm, I'm, it's, it's a way that I say, Lucy, okay. You're perfectly imperfect. So, so, but I will pay attention to that spiritual progress. My question is, you said earlier on, don't let the gifts of the program rob you of the gifts of the program. And then you reference, like, for me, I say edging God out, and, you, and you're thinking that I did it. And so can you give me maybe some other examples of this, that, this twisted type of thinking? Sure. Thanks for the question. Good question. Um, you know, one of the gifts of the program is, for instance, that I um, lost weight. I get in, in better physical condition. So then I become more physically active. And, uh, you know, now I, instead of uh, listening to the meetings, I want to go out and go uh, ride my bicycle in the morning. Let's say I'm, I, I, I can't do that yet, but uh, or, you know, let's say that uh, because now I'm I'm in a lot better physical condition, I'm going to start going dancing every evening, you know, instead of sitting at home talking to sponsees. So the gift of the program was this physical recovery. And then the gift of the program may be uh, emotional recovery. And so now you're in a relationship. And then all of a sudden you don't have time left for the program. So the gifts of the program have robbed you of the gifts of the program. Mm, yeah, I'm going to really meditate and pray on that. And then the last thing has to do with this. You said you use the smartphone to meditate. Is do you? Can you say how do you do this or where do you get this information? Yeah, uh, my, smart, um, uh, my smart TV is what I right. said. I, 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 I used to do them on my phone, and the phone doesn't have as good a sound system as my TV, so I I, I go to the to the uh, inter the browser on my smart TV and and just Google uh, uh, AA eleventh step guided meditations and uh, then they start coming up as the most recent anyway. But so they'll come up and there'll be a selection of them and I pick one and I can sit here in my easy chair and uh, you know I'm not I'm not able to get into a full lotus on the floor and, and chant. I don't <laughs> need to do that to meditate, but um, I'm able to to uh, do that meditation on the on the TV with the t you know with the sound system on the TV it works real well for me. Well, thank you so much. Bless you. Thank you very much. Well, thanks for the question. Thanks, Lucy E. Roz R. Your turn. Can I be heard? I hear you. Thank you. Well, thanks, Leah, for all your, your um, service. And um, Craig, thank you so much for this talk you gave today. Um, let me better set my timer here. Um, uh, I needed to hear all the things that you said because um, I've wondered that myself. 
the the question that I have, you know, so many things you said today were so profound to me. Um, but the thing that I think I want to focus in is when you said, don't let the gifts of the program rob you of the gifts of the program. You know, I heard a slogan uh, way back when, um, when I first came in the rooms a long time ago about, you know, if you're too busy to work the program, you're too busy. And, uh, you know, I've had some really good, clean abstinence for several years now with the neutrality of the food since really listening to vision and working with vision people. Um, but I've done just that. I've gotten too busy to, to, you know, I've let the gifts of the program rob me of it. And, and I've done just the things that you've talked about. You know, I've gotten into relationships and got distracted with that and got distracted with, you know, dancing and walking and exercising. And, and all of a sudden, it just seemed like my life was all about me. What I want to know is, um, you know, I'm, I'm now on the other side and realizing, oh, my God, my emotional sobriety is like just not there. And then I looked at my situation and I've talked to people and, and I've realized I've been really lax. On, on 10 and then and on 12 and and even the discipline I loved what you said about discipline versus inspiration because I've been living on like inspiration and waiting for it to come um, and it hasn't and so now I realize it's the work of the program so I love that you shared what you do what I'd like to know is um, your your take on emotional sobriety and um, have you ever been in a, in, in a position in your recovery where you kind of um, feel like it's difficult to make those calls. It's difficult to reach out. It's difficult to uh, um, do that, that authenticity of being who you are. I still go back into that. So um, I'd like to just hear your take on if, if any of it made sense to you, but thank thank you so much for your share. Well, thanks for the question. You know, I'm, uh, I'm not, Sure. I mean, we're all different. And, uh, uh, you know, this, I'm not sure that I can be authentic about who I am unless I know who that is. You know, that that's part of the problem is that, uh, you know, is that um, I've covered up me with false bravado and and, and, uh, things for so long that I'm not sure that uh, I wasn't sure exactly who I am, you know, sometimes. So just relaxing and being me, that's a, that certainly is a gift of the program. Um, I, I've never had a fear, a fear of people, um, it, it, not in that way, you know. I, um, uh, I, I know that that's common, but I'm just not, you know, I think maybe because of my size and, you know, how I grew up that I, I, I just not been, you know, uh, I have a, I, if I had anything, it was a fear that they wouldn't give me what I, I wanted to approach them right so I could get what I wanted from them, <laughs> but not in, not in terms of having a fear of calling people. Um, so, uh, and, you know, there might have been a little bit about not wanting to bother people, but I've, I've found that especially people in program are so, willing to talk to you that uh, uh, just hadn't affected me. So I'm not sure where I could go with that answer. Not, But thanks for the question. Thank you. Thanks, Roz R. We can take another group. This will be the final invitation for questions. Star 1 to unmute. Please give me your name and first letter of your last name. Wendy. 
Melissa J. Joy L. Wendy B. Wendy Jody B. Q. Joel. Terry C. Q. Terry C. Is that correct? Surrey, S U R I. I'm sorry. Surrey. Yvonne Beach. Yvonne. Sandy W. Sandy W. I think you got Joy L, but I'm not. I did. I got you, Joy. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. Sure. Who else? Final invitation for questions. Terry C. Terry C. Okay. Thus far, I have Wendy B, Joy L, Jody EQ, Suri C, Yvonne DH, Sandy W, Terry C. Anybody else? Sue F. Sue F. Melissa C. Melissa C. Okay. That's a great group. Everybody press star one to mute, please, except Wendy B. Go ahead with your question, Wendy. Wendy B. Perhaps I was incorrect on that one. Wendy B. Star one time mute, Wendy. Okay, okay, let's move on to Joy L, please. Hi, this is Joy L calling from um, Minnesota, a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you so much, Craig, for your um, for your share and for just <laughs> your your humility and all that you shared. So here's my question. Um, so I came back to um, to program I don't, in October after a, basically a five-year relapse. And um, now, you know, I've gone through the program, I, you know, not gone through the program, but gone through the steps and now recovered. And I'm willing um, to sponsor, but I could see that I was, it kind of in the past where I have skipped steps and I really wanted to have a strong foundation um, around doing my steps 10 and 11, following a good food plan. And I now am doing that, um, but it's fairly recent, um, you know, and doing the, doing my um, reading pages 84 and through 88 and making my amends. And I just felt like I did want to, sponsor ask somebody to do things that I was not yet doing um and so my question is about like yeah I get it like you need to give it away um and you know the piece about that you were sharing about like just having um spiritual checking your spiritual progression and when I looked at my spiritual progression it wasn't where it needed to be and now I feel like I'm getting there and getting my sea legs but they want to jump out there, and I haven't, and my, you know, I want to be in integrity. Just wondering your thoughts about that. Yeah, thank, thank you for the question, Joy. Um, you know, um, so one of the mistakes that we make sometimes in our thinking is that the only way to work with uh, uh, people is to become a sponsor, and, and, and while that is, I think, the greatest way, and and certainly a goal. There's a lot of other ways we can work with others, 
um, you know, calling newcomers. You know, a lot of newcomers introduce themselves. We'll get two, three, four a day on the vision meeting, you know, um, calling or texting those people and just welcoming them and, and maybe sharing a little bit uh, with them. You know, finding a fellow in recovery that is at the same place you are that maybe you can identify with and, and becoming a recovery buddy. That That's sharing your recovery. That's sharing your experience, strength, and hope. Um, you, you know, um, the uh, uh, if you go to a face-to-face meeting, uh, showing up. I, I, I knew a guy that used to go to this uh, AA meeting, and he'd show up an, uh, an hour early. And he and when the weather would allow, he'd stand around in the parking lot and make sure that other people knew how to find their way into the meeting, especially a newcomer. And, you know, he'd see somebody hesitating. You know, sometimes a newcomer will hesitate about coming in, and he'd go over and introduce himself and lead him in and introduce him to somebody else. Now, he wasn't sponsoring anybody, but he was working with others. And so sometimes we have to be, especially at that stage where we're, where we're um, recovering and, and rec- recovered and we're just right there where we're about ready to sponsor, we, we have to be maybe a little more creative about finding ways to work with others. But there are things you can do. So uh, that, I, that's the yes, best. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Those are some of the things that I am starting, you know, to do, just like showing up and calling people and doing more and knowing that I don't just have to sit on my laurels, but that's helpful. Thank you so much. God's work. Thank you. Thanks, Joy L. Jody EQ. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Here I am. Thank you very much, Leah. Thank you so much, Craig, for your share. I really enjoyed it and appreciated it. I could relate to what you said about... um, maybe doing too much in step 12 and uh, getting a little bit off the spiritual beam that way. And I also heard you say that you talk to a couple people in the morning and people in the evening and that you're single and you have time for that. So how how do you find that balance between self-care, self steps 10 and 11 and step 12? That's my question. Thank you. Yeah, uh, thanks for the question. And uh, and like I said, I the only way I know what balance is is I swing back and forth by it, um, like my friend. But you know, um, I, I think that um, the only thing I can say is that if you're, you know, we we get some awareness in the program and we start seeing things building up on us. If if I one of my uh, my my friends here will. Well, know what I'm talking about. I, you know, I walked out of a meeting one time. I was feeling uh, a face meeting. I was feeling real spiritual. I was just feeling, you know, I'd, it was a great meeting. Things were going great. And I get in my truck and I'm starting to drive down the street, and a guy passes me in a beige Corvette. And you know, I find myself going, "Who the hell drives a beige Corvette?" You know, you get a Corvette, you get a primary color, and I am just in my head railing at this guy and I pull up beside him at a stoplight and I want to ask him why the hell did you buy a beige Corvette and you know that's guess what you know there there's the thermometer on my spiritual condition you know and so uh, you know there are thermometers there are indicators that I'm not in fit spiritual condition you know if I'm uh, finding myself uh, on Facebook and want to argue politics and 
making a lot of political posts, uh, you know, I have to step back and ask myself, how's my fit spiritual condition? You know, if, uh, mm-hmm. if I can't just let things go, if I'm, uh, if I'm arguing with people when to be quiet would, would serve me better then you know, I, I'm not, uh, I'm not in fit spiritual condition. There's something else going on and I, and I need to back up and I need to do a tenth step. So, uh, you know, it's a it's a battle I fight all the time. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Jody EQ. Shout out for Wendy B. If you're on the line and like to pose your question, <laughs> Wendy B. Star one to unmute. Okay, let's move on to Surrey C. Hi. Um, okay, so I, I first of all, I wanted to thank you so much for your share. Um, it's so funny because at one point I was thinking, oh, you know, it, I, I'm falling asleep during the share. I, I don't know if I can do this. I'm not an abstinent person right now. I'm still new. This is the first time I've ever been on the phone for this long. And then you said, well, I'm not the best speaker. Um, and, you know, and even though I'm not the best speaker, I'm going to just keep doing, you know, my work here. And, and that was exactly what I needed to hear because um, so often I need, I feel like I, if I can't do it right, I shouldn't do it. Um, but I uh, just wanted to say, like, there's so many people with so many questions, and I have one myself, like, I'm so inspired by what you said, by, by the fact that you're saying it, even though you feel like you're not the best speaker. Um, and, 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 and it was so inspiring. So my question to you is at one point you said like, you know, as you're deeper into the steps, you're going to fall away from you. The, 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 the desire for food, the desire for, for sexual, whatever, all those things, they're going to start to fall away. Um, and you're going to crave them less. And I'm wondering, like, could you elaborate on that a little bit? Because I am, I'm, I feel like I'm in, I'm trudging right now, and I haven't even gotten past step three. But I'm really trying to internalize every word and every line of steps one and two, and just owning every bit of it. And it hurts. <laughs> it hurts a lot. Um, and to be so emotionally present and on. And um, you know, I, 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 was, I already had started a very serious relationship. Um, before uh, before I had, you know, started with his serious sponsor. And then I told the sponsor in one of our face-to-face meetings that I, I started this relationship. She said, you know, the, the, the steps say to, um, the program says to really avoid any new relationships in the first year of working a program. And I said, I'm in trouble now because I, I can't drop this person. I mean, we have a certain amount of a commitment to each other. And um, and I'm and I'm not sure that it's gonna come to fruition. I I know that you know Sorry. we're yeah. Sorry okay. to interrupt Sorry, you. I'm very interested in what you have to say, but can you pose a question in the interest of? Yes. That? Okay. The question was um, how if you could elaborate on on what it means to to have things fall away, and I'm hoping for the food to fall away. But what what does that look like right now? Because right now I'm. I'm very in the food in a way that I even wasn't before I started the program. 
So, yeah, if you could give me some insight on that. You know, long time ago, thanks for the question. Uh, good question. The uh, long time ago, I was in a meeting and it was a promises meeting and they were, you know, I had 12 different people speak quickly on the, each of the 12 uh, promises in step nine. And I came out of that meeting and I mentioned to a friend of mine, I said, I didn't feel like those promises were coming true in my life. And they said, well, of course not. They're ninth step promises and you haven't done your steps yet. And I thought, you know, they come after the ninth step. And then, you know, uh, what I want to say is that this, that the freedom from food obsession is, is really promised in step 10. And, you know, it says we've ceased fighting anything or anyone, even food for, by this time sanity will have returned. We'll seldom be interested in, Food, if tempted, will recoil from it as a, a hot flame, will react sanely and normally, and will find that this has happened automatically. We'll see that our new attitude towards food has been given us without any thought or effort on our part. It just comes. That's the miracle of it. We're not fighting it, neither are we avoiding temptation. We've been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. We've not even sworn off. Instead, the problem has been removed. It does not exist for us. We're neither cocky nor afraid. And, and those are the promises of the 10th step. And so, you know, if we want the 10th step promises, we have to get on through the first nine and be living in that 10th step. And, th and then the promises will come. You know, if we've done, uh, if we've laid a solid foundation and done the work as thoroughly as we know how, uh, it'll get there. And it shouldn't take long to get there. You know, we, we, uh, we make a, my sponsor said last night when he spoke that, we make a we make a big deal out of this sometimes, but you know it shouldn't take long. Get get through there. Get to living in that tenth step, and and then those promises will come. So that's the best answer I can give. Thank you, Suri C, for the question. Wendy B, would you like to pose your question now? Yeah. Hi. This is Wendy B. Um, I had to miss part of the call because I hadn't taken another call, but so hopefully my question wasn't already asked. But my question is, um, you mentioned um, hearing an old-timer ask, what step are you on with that? And you um, responded, you know what, I have to keep on doing this work, you know? Well, I was just wondering the process of working the steps on other issues besides your powerlessness over the food. And do you work the steps on your character defects? And or what type of things do you work the steps on? And what's the process? Is it the same, you know, going through the big book with a sponsor? And that's my question. Thank you. Well, thank you for the question. Good question. Um, you know, uh, I uh, there are probably people better suited to answer this question than I am. But here's how it's worked for me as a, I, I, I here a couple months ago, I uh, went back and I reworked the steps on this time on uh, relationships, you know, and uh, uh, it, it because, uh, you know, as I'm losing weight and as I'm becoming uh, uh, more uh, comfortable in my own skin, you know, I had that I had this fear, you know, that, uh, uh, you know, that that I'm that this was a. Uh, going to be a problem in my life. Uh, you know, it's when you, I hit 520 pounds in, in, in relapse, you know, and, and so the relationships aren't an issue usually at 520 pounds. <laughs> it's a, it's just not something that's knocking on your door. 
you know, and not that it's knocking on my door now, but it's become, it became an issue. So, uh, yeah, we went back and we started and we, uh, uh, and my sponsor had me start at the beginning of the big book. We did the doctor's opinion. We talked about how that affected it. We, 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 we did a, you know, we did, went up through, we did a fourth step, did a fifth step, you know, on through, I made a, I made a, I had to go back and make amends to some people, uh, about over some relationship issues that I had, uh, you know, uh, where I had been, uh, insensitive or cavalier or, or you know, uh, to somebody and, or hurt them and uh, make, and so, yeah, you, you know, you can make, you can work these steps on codependence. You can work them on shopping. You can work them on gambling. You can work them on, on, uh, you know, the Al-Anon issues. And there's somebody around you somewhere, even if it's not your sponsor that, that probably has experience in that. And that's one of the keys is to get somebody that has what you want. You know, Bill said, if somebody asked Bill W. I read this in a Grapevine article one time. Who was your sponsor? Because you know he, Ebby uh, claimed to be his sponsor, and he actually even introduced him as his sponsor at one point. But you know, was Ebby your sponsor? Was Doctor Bob your sponsor? And what Bill's answer was was we're all a, a part of it. But the, what he did was he found if he was working on say sloth, or he was working on uh, some other uh, issue in his life, he found somebody that had what he wanted and ask them how they got it. And he worked with them until he got some recovery in that area of his life. So, uh, you know, that's the, we, we get rigid sometimes in this program and, and sometimes it's better to say, you know, I can, I can find, you know, do something new, find somebody that uh, has a recovery. If you've got an area of your life that has an issue in it and, you know, we we build up this idea. You know, I spent six months one time looking for a pen and pencil, the right pencil, the right pen, and the right book, right notebook to write a fourth step in. You know, I, in other words, I spent six months locked up in my fear. When you know, uh, pick up a pick up a crayon and a piece of construction paper and start writing. You know, and I don't care if it's on the back of a cardboard box. You know, we, we got to get flexible and just go do it. And uh, you know, do the my friend says, do the Nike program, just do it. And so, there it is. That's my best answer. Thanks. Thank you, Wendy B. Yvonne D H, your turn. Thank you so much, Linda. Thank you for your service, and Greg. Thank you for sharing. Um, I have a question on to the word. Being recovered. I've been in this program 19 and a half years, AA and EA, and we have never heard some anybody saying, I am recovered. I've mm-hmm. heard this word, I have heard 19 years long saying, um, I'm sober physically, spiritually, legally, sobriety. The A's we sober. And I don't understand how can I be recovered. I can, this is not a thing I can be, be cured. So I'm sober, physically, spiritually, and emotionally. This is my question. Thank you. Sure. Um, and, and I'll take a shot at that. Uh, the big book is full of the word recovered. It uses the word recovery in recovery once, but it's full of the word recovered. We are men and women who have recovered from a seemingly 
hopeless state of mind and body. Um, and the word recovered doesn't mean cured. Uh, it certainly doesn't mean cured. It means we recovered. Uh, it means we are, um, um, we, we've accepted a, a plan of action uh, and a, a plan of living that allows us to deal with the life on God's terms. Um, you know, the, uh, my understanding is that that was common language in AA in the early days, and then in the 50s, the, the uh, treatment centers started coming along, and, and they started discouraging people from using the word recovered and started substituting the word in recovery uh, for whatever reason. But the book always said recovered, and you can find it. Uh, somebody probably is on here saying that knows the count of how many times it says uh, we have recovered. And, uh, uh, you know, it's in the forward. Uh, you know, we are uh, 100 men and women who have recovered. And so that's, it's, it, it, it is and should be common language in the, in it, because it is a common language in the big book. Thank you so much, Mm -hmm. Thank you, Yvonne D.H. Okay, Sandy W., your turn. Thank you, Leah. Thanks so much for your service. And Craig, wow, that was so powerful. Mm -hmm. I learned so much. Um, your first point about um, enlarging our life, that our life gets so narrow, which was certainly my case in my disease. Sure. I'm just curious how you did that, what you did to enlarge your life. I know I kind of struggled with, I didn't know who I was. Like, what do I want to do? I don't know. I did what people wanted me to do. Who, do, who am I and what do I want to do now? So I'm curious for some concrete examples. Thank you. You know, that's, that's, that's a good question. Thank you. And, I, and, the, and the truth is that uh, uh, I am uh, sitting at a, at a precipice where I'm, I'm asking myself that same question. I I, uh, well, I came into program on the heels of a divorce, and uh, I walked in a bookstore, and I saw a book titled Creative Divorce, and I thought, oh, good, this book's going to tell you how to be creative about the financial settlement in the divorce, you know, how to, how to you know, get a win-win. And so I, I bought it and got home, and that wasn't what it was at all. The book was about how to, about how when you have a big change like a divorce, you get to recreate yourself. That um, you know you're now uh, where you know you you'd gotten in certain patterns and certain behaviors because of the of the marriage that you've been in that uh, had you know uh, kind of trapped you in a certain uh, pathway, but now you had a chance. You know if there was something, some hobby you always wanted to do, some uh, activity you wanted to do, now was the time to go do that, and then maybe to meet people that were had similar interests and and it was a good book but i, I found it kind of humorous but it's the same thing i sent uh, in a sense with recovery we were in a relationship with food you know we were in a relationship with uh with uh, maybe with our, uh, an unhealthy body uh, our unhealthy body and it trapped us in a certain narrow pathway of behavior and now that uh, we're not in that relationship with food now i'm not uh, I'm less and less in the relationship with an unhealthy body. You know, what What do I want to do with my time? What do I want to do with that 168 hours that, that that's handed to me? 
you know, each week. And every, everybody, no matter how wealthy or how trim or how fit, they get 168 hours a week. You know, it's it's the the great social justice <laughs> of life is that no matter how who you are, you get 168 hours. How am I going to spend that? You know, and you might sit down and budget that time and say, how am I going to spend that? But nonetheless, uh, you know, uh, God, what a what an opportunity, what a glorious opportunity to say, now I get to recreate this life, to imagine who it is I always wanted to be. Uh, and and just to be happy about that. And, and, you know, another thing, one of the ones I didn't cover that several people said to me about extending their recovery is that you can't be afraid to uh, make mistakes. You can't be afraid to to experiment a little, you know. So you think, God, I've always always wanted to ride horses, and you go out there and find out you hate horses. Uh, So, okay, you tried it, you know. Now Now what's next? You know, um, and maybe you go out there next and find you want to ride motorcycles and you love motorcycles. Well, okay, so you tried horses and it didn't work. Let's go try motorcycles and, uh, you know, whatever it is. uh, You have a chance to recreate your life. What a glorious gift of the program. So I hope that answered it. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thanks, Sandy W. Terry C., Star one to unmute, Terry C. Hi, good morning. Thanks, Leah. Um, Craig, thanks so much. Thanks so much for that message. It was such a gentle delivery of some very, very important information, definitely worth pondering. And um, my, my question actually is, I was a little late in getting my pen and paper out, and um, I'm not sure how your notes are organized, but if it's not possible for you to just give us or read out the bulleted list as you went over them, then I'll just contact you when you give your contact information and get that from you. But I'd really like to have the entire list on paper. Yeah. Uh, I've put my notes away while I was talking. Um, yeah, you. I'll give my contact information in a minute, and I'd be glad to discuss that with you. Um, so, yeah. Um, um, Thanks for the question, by the way. Yeah, sure. Thank uh, you. I will do that. All right. Well, okay. That'll work. That'll work. Just call me after I give you contact. All right? Thank you. Excellent. Okay. All right. Sue S., your turn. Hi. Leah, thank you for your service. And Craig, thank you for your share. Can you hear me? Yes. Oh, okay, thank you. Um, This is regarding living in 10 and 11 versus 12, and I'm not sure if I got that right. Craig, what's your take on approaching a newcomer and saying you'll sponsor them versus the newcomer approaching you? Well, I, I, uh, I think it's case by case. I think it's always better if he asks, if they ask you, you know, the, in, in working with others, they, they uh, they suggest that you know it's better to let them come to you to ask for you when they're ready. You know we can make an approach. We can uh, let them know we have a solution. But uh, it, it's better if they'll say you know how do you get there? You know how do I get started? And uh, uh, you know it's 
the the rest of it's pushing too much. You know, I I uh, I, I have that tendency with uh, you know I have to be restrained at times. There are you know, people in my life that I want to I want to go grab and and drag uh, along the path and. And it says, the book says, well, we might spoil a future opportunity if we do that. So, you know, it's uh, it's better to let them come to you. But well, there are certain things we can hint at. You know, we have a solution. If they want to know about that solution, they can ask you. Thank you. Attract, attraction, not promotion, right? Mm-hmm. Thank you. And my, my sponsor says there's three things I can do. Recover, recover, recover. Amen. Yeah. Thank you, Sue S. Our final question for today comes from Melissa C. Hi. Good morning. Thank you. Oh, gosh. Thank you so much. Thank you, Leah. And thank you, Craig. It was really, um, really quite a powerful share for me. And, um, I love, first of all, you said something about um, uh, discipline rather than waiting for inspiration, and that's, um, I wrote that down because that's really powerful. And the other, that you um, surveyed people who had long-term abstinence, um, long-term recovery, and I was wondering, you know, um, you sort of answered it in regards to reworking the steps, but I'm wondering if you found um, among the people that you asked, if they rework the steps using variety of material available. Like I know we, you know, here on this line, we we love and we study the big book, but I know that there's other OA material as well. I'm wondering what you found um, and if you heard any, any anything about that. Thank you. Okay, thanks for the question. I, I, I didn't ask about that because, probably because I'm, so strident uh, a, a big book person, I didn't even, wouldn't even think to ask that. I, uh, I just, uh, you know, as far, I, I know this is. I have to work on my my attitude, but um, you know, beyond the big book and maybe the twelve, but the twelve, the AA twelve and twelve, I, every resource that you need to work the steps is right there, and every resource you need to rework the steps is right there. And the depth and weight and and the the depth of information that you need is you'll never get to the bottom of it. You'll never get to the bottom layer of clay, you know. So uh, my my time for me is best spent to just keep digging into the riches of that big book, and uh, uh, I don't need anything else. So I uh, I hope that answers the question. And, doesn't upset anybody. So that's it. Thank you. It's okay if it upsets people, right? It's okay. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Melissa C. Thanks to everybody who posed questions this morning. And of course, thank you, Craig, for this informative and powerful talk. You're always a joy to listen to, and God uses you well, in my humble opinion. Thank you so much. The share ID for today's presentation, you can listen to it again, of course, 12,528, 12528, 12528. We're going to close from page 164. You'll notice it's in a chapter entitled A Vision for You.
Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.